Good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host and I am pretty fired up today. I see we've got some awesome people on here already. Natalie Phillips, I see you there. Kevin Naylor, Ilana, how are you guys doing? So listen, I have like, I think this is my, I don't think I have anybody scheduled for tomorrow and then Thursday, I'm heading to Miami for the 10X Growth Conference. If you haven't gotten your seat for the 10X Growth Conference, do it! Just do it! It'll be life-changing. Grant Cardone, John Maxwell, Steve Harvey, Sarah Blakely. Like, there are some unbelievable speakers there and 35,000 people to network with. So that's my plug for the 10X Growth Conference. I am not being paid for that, by the way. So listen, I want to uh, tell you, I met this guy that I'm getting ready to bring on the show. I met him through another guest that I had, and she said, OMG, you've got to have this dude on the show. He's got a story that will blow your mind. And so this dude is a new friend of mine. And I want to, and, and his name, his last name sounds exactly how it's spelled. It's Wynn. <laughs> so I want to welcome, I've been giving him crap about it. He probably hates me by now, but I want to welcome my new buddy, Tuan Wynn to the show. Tuan, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's going on, Ken? Good to see you, bro. Good to see you. Move, move a little bit over to your right. Just a little. There you go. There you go. Now you're centered. So, so look, man, um, you have a, um, you have a pretty incredible story and I think you can help a lot of people, dude. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to let you tell the story. I'm not even going to give any hints about the story. Let's start with where you were born and raised. I was born in Panama City, Florida. I was raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. All right. All right. So is that where you went to school, high school, all that in Houston? Yeah, I, I spent most of my, I spent probably about 30 something years in Houston, most of my life. Okay. Spent, spent most of the time doing school here. Okay. Did you go to college? I had some college. Okay. Never and, finished. Huh? High school dropout, did some college, I got a GED. Nice. Um, yeah, nice. Nice. So you got some college and 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 you got you, you you immediately put that degree to work? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me let me just kinda explain. So uh you know for the for the audience, uh you know, I'm a I'm Vietnamese. So if you have any Asian friends, so let me ask you a question, Ken. What oh, hold the, on, hold, this is my show. You ain't asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, man, go ahead. So my question to you is, okay, what is the typical stigma or what is the, the, the perception that you have of most common Asian people? Dude, I don't have common perception. I don't have perceptions about people. I don't care what, 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 where, where are you from or your ethnicity. I don't, I mean... Um, there are things I've heard like Asians can't drive. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know, man. I don't have any, you know, I, I love, you know, Japanese and Chinese food. 
Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. Is there something I should know? No, I was just asking you the question because I mean, I just want to, I just want to expose some common uh, beliefs and perceptions that uh, I deal with. All right. So oh, hold on, Natalie. Natalie Phillips, doctor. She said, "Hey, now, Ken." Dr. Natalie Phillips is on here. She says, I have them and I am Asian. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. She's awesome. So, so what, 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 should, what kind of um, common perception should I have? Okay. So let, let's, let's just, let's just be raw. Transparent. Be raw, I, dude. Be raw. Hey, I just want to have fun with everybody. Don't swear. Don't swear. No, we're we're, we're doing no swearing. Okay, I promise I'm not gonna swear. Okay, it's good. It's good. Uh, we're gonna laugh. We're gonna have fun. Okay. <laughs> so, growing up, and and if there's any Asian people out there listening right now, like you probably have some Asian friends. Like, look, we, we grow up in a, a society where everything's based on performance. I, I grew up, and it was just like my parents were adamant about success, success, success. They came over here. They left Vietnam with $120, and they came to America pursuing the American dream. So my parents worked very hard to provide for me, and they, they supplied everything I needed as a child. So I, I grew up in a very, very good household. Mm -hmm. And so I was raised up, you know, you got to perform. You got to perform. You got to be good in school. You got to make straight A's. You got to make straight A's. And so that's how I was raised up. Um Oftentimes, I'd see my parents always comparing me to other people, you know. So uh, let's kind of expose some of the beliefs, all right? So in <laughs> Asian culture, uh, uh, you got to be a doctor, right? How many of you guys have a, a doctor that ha uh, is named Dr. Nguyen or hey, something like that? Hey, hold on. Dr. Natalie Phillips. She <laughs> did it. Dr. Natalie Phillips. There you go. Uh, nail salon? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right. Oh, right. How about a how about a dry cleaners? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Um, lawyers, dentists. Yeah. And right. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm just I'm just letting it all out there. Right. 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 So they expected you to to be a dry cleaner, owner, dentist, or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean the the. the the status quo is you have to make some kind of six-figure income uh, to live up to your potential. Right. So that was that. That's how I was wired growing up. And guess what? When I got to middle school, Ken, I failed miserably. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I failed miserably. I mean, like it, it was so just. Well, well, but what did your parents do? Did they own a dry cleaners or a, a like? No, well, they own a hair salon and a nail salon. <laughs> <laughs> dude, 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 that's like, that, like you're stereotyping. I mean, it fits the profile. <laughs> oh my God, dude, you're killing me. Yeah. So, okay. All right, all right, all right. So, okay. so, so you got to middle school and, and you said you failed miserably. How, how, how did I mean, you're in middle school, dude. How how in the world are you in this failure mode already? Oh, that's that's when that's when all my elementary innocence went out the window. Oh God! You, and uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that can relate now with their lives and maybe even with their children. So I mean, of course, social media wasn't big back then, right. but I started realizing I was like, 
man, I, I want to be somebody. I want to be cool. Yeah. You know, and then I started kind of being tempted into just getting involved with gangs at an early age and et cetera, et cetera. And I started getting kicked out of school. I started dipping and dabbing in drugs at an early young age, smoking mm. at the age of 13. Mm. And I remember I just, just started just, I kept on running away from home and it was just like, it was just the, the relationship with my parents was just in just conflict at this time. So just getting kicked out of school so many times, my parents made a decision to wake me up one morning and, um, get me in the car and, uh, they told me, Hey, look, we're going to go take you to this school and we're going to, we're going to drop you off. So I was like, all right, well, let's see where we're going to go. And five hours into the drive, Ken, I started seeing snow and there's no snow in Texas. Okay. <laughs> right. So now I'm like, okay, where the heck are we going? Right. Right. And I'll never forget this moment. I'm a 13 year old kid right here. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go to some like cheesy private school in Texas somewhere. And I'm just going to be like, no, I don't want to come here. Right. Dude, my mom hands me this brochure and on that brochure, there's these kids in a military school outfit, and I realize I'm going to Kansas. Oh no! Yes, I'm going to Kansas, and we're getting we're dropping you off in military school. And I'm telling you, wow, that, right, that moment right there changed changed my life because I had it. I had so much resentment for my parents. Parents who said they loved me, but how would you do something like this to me? I'm 13. Take you, I'm take, 13. Take, take you to a military school. And drop me off. They just dropped you off. Said good luck, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, let's I see, let's understand. see you be, let's see you be a gangbanger in military school. <laughs> and Melissa Burrow says, I agree with your parenting, your, your parenting plan. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I didn't at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you didn't. I'll bet you didn't. I, you know, um, and I, I didn't. I, I couldn't understand that at the time. For a 13-year-old to really grasp a hold of how much your parents love you yeah. to where they would actually send you away, I couldn't comprehend that. And so <laughs> I, I started rebelling even more. In military school. In military school. How'd, I became, that, how'd that work out for you? I became real independent. I've always had leadership skills, so I was kind of thrusted into leadership positions, even in military school. But I had this hatred and rebellion towards my parents, and uh, it just kept on driving on and on. And uh, I remember at times when we had like furloughs and stuff, where I would come home for the holidays, I would run away, you know. And uh, wow. And I remember, uh, I remember I got kicked out of military school uh, just for being just you know, a badass or whatever you want to call it. I got kicked out of one military school. So guess what they ended up doing? They, they took sent, you to another one. They took me to another one. Good. I'm like, oh. I like your parents so far, dude. Let's roll. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, hey, look, Ken, this stuff costs money. I don't realize it at the time. Yeah. I mean, they're spending like, I mean, thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars placed me into these military schools and guess what happened at the second military school you got kicked out i got kicked out dude do you Smoke know how me. many how many nails they have to do to pay for that i mean that's a lot of nails <laughs> oh yeah i can only imagine how many haircuts 
and I mean pedicures and manicures they've done to just I mean just to pour into my life and try to correct me but uh and 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 you kept getting kicked out right so 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 tell tell me like okay so how old were you 14 15 how old when you got kicked out of the second one I was in eighth grade at that time so I was probably pushing 14 maybe close to 15 dude and here's your mom and dad working on people's nasty feet to to put you through that. Like that's just nasty, dude. I I couldn't right. do it, right? But like like and and you're being a an ungrateful craphead. Go ahead, say it. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> we'll just say craphead. So yeah. <laughs> Natalie says you are making my Asian mama Jean twitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, she she probably wants to smack you about right now. So okay. so so, dude. Okay, so here you are rebelling, being being a a a, a duty head, and and you're getting kicked out of the second one. You're 14 years old. What next? Juvenile probation, uh, car theft. So nothing really changed at all. Military school did absolutely nothing for me. It kind of helped me with some leadership skills. But outside of that, like my relationship with my parents was completely torn and broken apart. That ultimately led me into just a life of just seeking. I was searching for significance. Yeah, I was looking. I was looking for acceptance. I was looking for a place. I didn't have a big brother. I had two sisters. I didn't have a role model figure in my life. My dad was always at work. And I mean, our daily conversations would probably be, you know, three times where he spoke to me, like maybe 12 seconds throughout each time. Yeah. And it was basically, uh, are you OK? You hungry? Uh, it's time <laughs> to go to sleep. I mean, you know, and I mean, but that was because my dad was always working. You know, he was always working. And so I I. My dad didn't know how to raise me in that way because he thought that, you know what, let me just provide for him and, and that's good enough. And well, so wait, really wait. Have... So wait, where was your mom? She was there too. But oh. I mean, she was always working too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they so, worked together. So here here you are, 15-ish years old, and now you're, you're starting to... You know, I've got a 13-year-old daughter, so I get it, man. You're starting to, you're starting to get resentful. You're starting to get real resentful towards your parents. Right. Yeah. And you're on probation. Yeah, I was on probation, juvenile probation. That was, I mean, that was nothing. I, I breezed through it. Um, I think really what started changing was when I when I turned 18. When I turned 18, I started kind of dibbing and dabbing with uh, ecstasy. Mm. Uh, started trying cocaine and stuff like that. And I realized, I was like, man, this is really cool stuff here. Oh, and I remember, the, the, you realized that, huh? Oh, I mean, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I told myself I wouldn't, I would never, I would never succumb to a place where I would do cocaine. Yeah. And, uh, and I started realizing the people that I started associating with, I mean, this is kind of cool. And when I actually tried it, I was like, man, I like this feeling. I like this. I never wow. thought I was going to be addicted to this stuff. But I remember, uh, I remember the first time I went to this party, right? And I had a little party package of like ecstasy and some cocaine and I think some crystal meth, right? Oh my gosh, dude. 
I'm talking about this party was completely dead when I came over there. And 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 when I pulled that stuff out, everybody lit up. And it, it was just like everybody started partying. And the next thing you know, I was the life of the party. Wow. And I started liking that feeling. So you found you found significance. You found significance for yourself in in that. Absolutely. Wow. I was always, you know, something that we hear a lot in uh, a lot in today's society is value. You know, find where you add the most value at. Yeah. I mean, me growing up and just kind of just just going through life and not really having a direction. I was trying to find where I add the most value at. And when I saw that, I was like, man, this could be something real beneficial to me because I see how much value I'm adding to all these people. I mean, I'm going to give you what you want. And right. so that that led me down that path where, you know what, now my ambition is I'm going to be like this cool drug dealer, right? Uh, mm. And I mean, that, that was that was my direction I started uh, having. My, my self-image was tied around that. Um, so just being transparent, my self-image consisted of what? Strippers, parties, drugs, money, and power. Mm-hmm. Wow. How um, how 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 did that end up working working out for you? In a nutshell, yeah. nine and a half years in prison, total three times. Wow, dude! Wow. So nine and a half years in prison. When was the first time you um, you got arrested? Well, I'm I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on a limb and take a guess. I'll bet you got you had some run-ins as a as a teenager. Yeah, I had a run-in at 18. Got on probation okay. for a minor charge, uh, and I finished probation in four and a, four and a half years. Okay. My next run-in was probably around 20, 24 years old. Got busted with a bunch of ecstasy and uh, methamphetamines. Did about I got an eight year sentence. Did a couple years on it. Got out. Had no kind of transformation. You know, I I went in thinking, you know what? There's a smarter way. I can do this better. This is my first time. You know, I made a mistake. I'm not gonna make the same mistake, right? Wow. Got snitched out. Uh, I got snitched out by somebody just being careless. Not gonna make that mistake anymore. Got out the second time. Hold it, hold it, hold it. The first time. The first time you went. Now we're talking prison, not county jail, I'm, right? I'm, prison. Prison. So you went to prison at what age? At 23. 23, and you're literally a full-blown drug dealer. Yes. Dude. That, yeah. Was was that... Jeez. Okay, so at 23 years old, you're a dealer. Are you making good money? I'm making decent money, you know, for my age. Yeah. You I know, mean, at uh, 23, were you making great money as a drug dealer? Well, I, I, I guess you. What would you define great? I don't I, know, I, man. I actually, look back right now, I was probably just an average drug dealer. But <laughs> on the out, on the outside, I really made it seem like I was somebody. Right. You right. Know, right. Nice cars to the jewelry and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, definitely on the outside, you couldn't tell how much I had and stuff like that. Because that's what our world consists of. It's like. Man, we're so wrapped up with, uh, we're consumed with how we look, you know, how yeah. the world perceives us. And so that was me. Like, I, I wanted to be somebody, I wanted to look like success. Yeah. Uh, 
So it was all it was all show. You know, I I, I got man. Uh, so you 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 got arrested at twenty three. Um, what happened? Were you like just walking down the street and got swarmed by a bunch of cops? They showed up at your front door. How did that happen? How'd that go down? Was it like the movies? <laughs> uh, actually, it was. So interesting story. So uh, at the age of twenty three, I decided, you know what? I want to go buy my first Cadillac. And so this was like 2002. Cadillac. And, uh, well, yeah, I wanted a Cadillac. And so, you know, like, I, I like being a trendsetter. Down here in Houston at that time, you don't see no Asian people driving Cadillacs on Vogue <laughs> and stuff like that. Okay? So Dude, I wanted to... <laughs> you are really picking on Asian people. And you're Asian. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay, so 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 you're 23. You want a Cadillac? Did you get a Cadillac? Oh, my credit sucked. I had to put down eleven thousand dollars down. But luckily, I knew the owner of the place, and so the owner was like, "Dude, I know you sell drugs, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up." Wow. So I had like I had this thousand dollar car note, you know, uh, and and I was because I wanted the car so bad. I wanted I wanted that car. Put down eleven thousand. Now I'm stuck with this thousand dollar car note, but I'm riding around looking like something. I'm looking like I'm successful. I'm looking like this big time drug dealer, and I was cool with it, you Dude, know. And, uh, <laughs> a twenty three year old Asian drug dealer pimping around in a Cadillac. Like, dude, what? Oh my god. Okay, so so eventually somewhere in that period of time you got your first arrest right okay um that's when i mean you had to be like oh man you know what just got real right oh yeah it it, it got real real fast <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. tell me tell me about that the first time you're you're you know like you're headed to prison now which wow so you're heading to prison your first time, and 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 what was going through your head? I, to be honest, I was man, I was I was I was scared. I mean, I yeah. gotta be honest. Well, you yeah, know, dude. Uh, you know what we see in movies is like, man, is that is that really what goes on in prison? Yeah, right. And, and so it didn't like I I didn't have like kind of I didn't have some kind of mentorship program that I could buy into to help coach me into going to prison. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, like right. there wasn't like the John Maxwell team uh, mentorship program for in case you get busted for selling drugs. <laughs> right, right, right. That's a great idea, man. We should put together a training program for that and and sell it to you know future incarcerees. Is that a word? So so you so you you show up at prison and and how was it? Was it was it okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let, let let me let me say this. They shave you completely bald. Oh whoa! I mean, you're shaved completely bald. I mean, you're stripping butt naked. I mean, you're doing all these little. I mean, they make you pop this little squat with no clothes on. I'm, I'm talking about this stuff was humiliating. Oh, jeez, dude. Wow. Uh, so you so, don't you don't recommend it to to most people. Well, I mean, if anybody's looking for a free board and free meal, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could probably get comfortable, you know, uh, uh, just 
because everything's free, dude. So, so you're 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 in prison, and and how long? What was your sentence? I got two eight year sentences that ran con, con, consecutive together. So they so sixteen years. No, it was just eight years. Come eight years. Uh, eight oh, years. Oh, combined. Off. So, yeah. so you, you you're so you got an eight year sentence. You're 23 years old, and doing the math, you're like, dang. That means I'm going to be 31 when I get out of here, right? But you're on you're you're in there for what a drug charges, right? Absolutely. And nonviolent. Huh? Nonviolent charges usually down here in Texas. Uh, you're eligible for parole. Once you meet like a quarter of that time. Okay. So in in about two years, I, I came home. Okay. You know? So what came was home. it like though, man? Being being locked up in prison was it was it bad? It was definitely an, an experience. Uh, man, I, I I was still I was still trying to find my significance too. So when I got involved in prison, I joined a gang. A prison gang. A prison gang. Jeez, dude. You know, and and so let me remind you, there's no Asian people in prison. <laughs> so, so <laughs> oh my god, yeah, they're all like, uh, oh god, dude. Okay, so so you're now you're in a gang. What gang? Like the Aryan <laughs> Nation? What 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 gang do you join if there's no other Asian people? Uh, I joined. Uh, wow. You know, so, so how Texas prisons work is, we group up in in cities. So I joined a Hispanic, fairly Hispanic gang, you know, because there wasn't no Asian gangs to join. So, <laughs> oh my god, wow, dude. Uh, so, so I started I started running with a, a Hispanic gang and uh. It was all about representing your city. So I ran with a a, a gang that was uh, a, a combination of Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin. Wow. I won't mention I won't mention nothing else outside of that. But I mean that's that was my place of uh, significance. Wow. You know. So I still surrounded my I, I started surrounding myself with people that would build upon the image that I was trying to uphold. You know, the drug dealer, the gang member type. And so I had to place myself around people that would push me up in that area. I mean, it didn't Jeez. matter if you were fake or what. I mean, as long as you lifted me up in that image that I was trying to uphold, I'd keep you. I'd keep you around. So, 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 okay. So you, here you are now. You're in a prison gang, and and somehow you you get out. You're paroled. I'm I'm assuming right after right. two years. Yeah, and and that's when you're like. Okay, I'm out of prison now. Woo, that sucked. I'm going to clean my act up and, and get back to college and open a dry cleaning business or something. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, actually, I never had the dry cleaning business on my mind at all. Oh. Actually, uh, And for I, the record, I, he's the one that brought up the dry cleaning thing, not me. So, <laughs> uh, I, well, I actually got out in a... I was like, uh, I was still trying to find my place. Yeah. And uh, I had no kind of direction. Mm. You know, my dream at that time was I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Okay. 
that was my uh that was my dream at that time i wanted to go i wanted to be some kind of comedian i wanted to go on tv and i wanted to be famous i wanted to go make people laugh but there was like no direction on how to pursue that so i never i never chased after it wow eventually eventually you know where i ended up going back to so so you did, did so you got back into dealing drugs after about a year or so. Okay. Um, and you were still on parole, I assume. Absolutely. So you're, 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 I'm sure they frown upon that. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. So here you are a paroled Asian prison gang member now out of prison. Um, being a, a drug dealer again, did you get back into another caddy? No, I didn't get into another caddy right now. I, okay. I decided, you know what, we're going to stay a little bit more low-key this time. Okay. So uh, we stayed riding around in a, in a Volkswagen Passat okay. 2005, right? All right. So you got busted again. Got busted again just being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and uh, how old were you then? I was probably about 27 years old. 27, you get busted again. Drugs, nonviolent? Drugs and a bunch of money in the car. Okay. Got pulled over. Got pulled over by. Uh, I got pulled over more on like a random stop. After I did a drug transaction, he asked to search the car. I had a bunch of money in the car and some drugs, and I said, "You know what? Sorry, sir, you can't search the vehicle." Mm. And and that was it. You know, he was like, "Okay, you won't let me search the car." Let me get I the dog. You. Let me get the dogs. And yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, I was in a no-win situation. I was I, it, the yeah. dogs came, they stripped the car down, and here we go again. I'm crying out to God at this time, and I'm like, Lord, please don't, please don't, please don't let this happen to me. I, I'll do whatever. Right, right, right. You know, and um, and I think that I think this was a time when uh when God was pulling on me, you know, uh, through my brokenness, going back to prison. I remember, I think it was in December 2010, where I was in county jail. I was just completely just broken in every single area. Yeah. You know, here I am going back to prison uh, for another an, another bid. And, uh, man, I, I, was break, I broke down one night, and I was crying on my bunk. And I said, you know what? I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to surrender. Wow. And I give it to you. And, um and that's when uh, that's when I that's when I that was my first recollection of actually surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. Wow, dude. So, and that was on your way for your second stint in 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 prison. Right. And how many years did you get that time? I did 3 I did a total of 3 years flat. 3 years. Okay. Yeah. So, so you did 3 years that time. And you turned your life over and and around. You surrendered and you got out of prison. Did you go back into the gang? <laughs> like, well, yeah, well, yeah. But next, now I went back into the gang. But now I'm actually I'm a Christian gang member now. <laughs> Dude. Oh my god! Oh wow! Okay, so so, so the- y'all like just smacked each other with bibles and stuff well no i, I mean i i, I hey, kevin naylor wants to know if your parents visited you in prison yes they visit me quite frequent okay. you know they, they yeah okay 
Okay. They never gave up on me one one bit. That's awesome, yeah, dude. Was there. So yeah. so you're you're a Christian gang member in prison now, and and what was that like? Uh okay. Well, it's pretty interesting. So I came back already involved with the gang, but the only difference now was I was a believer. I was a Christian. And so I didn't really feel the need to actually step away from it. So I try to use it for my benefit to try to influence the guys to kind of seek God and, and draw closer to God during the time and, and really just kind of encourage them to just make an effort to change. That actually went pretty well. Did so it really? I, it did because, I, Ken, you got to realize I'm an influencer. Like everywhere I go, people gravitate to me. So I have a voice. There's just something about it. I just never knew that. So even me being a gang member and being a Christian, that's kind of like that's kind of conflicting because you can't serve. You know, they say you can't serve two gods. So, of course, man, I used to have a lot of people come to me and be like, you know, you can't be a Christian being in a gang. And I used to hate that. Right. I used to hate that because I'm like, you have no idea what I'm trying to do with my gang members here. And it was, <laughs> right. funny, because, <laughs> it was right. funny because during that time. Our pastor called me out one day at church and he pulled me aside and he says, I want you to know you have a calling on your life and I want you to serve on the ministry team. And I'm sitting there like, you know, kind of a brand new believer. And I'm like, OK, let's go. Was that so in he, prison? That was in prison. OK, so wow. here here I'm being called out by the prison chaplain to work on the ministry team. Remember, I'm still a gang member. Wow. He doesn't. And so now I start learning to share the gospel and now I get opportunities to preach. Wow. And so all of a sudden now, uh, wow, dude, all of a sudden now, you know, uh, I have such an influence and a voice where people started listening to me. So usually, you know what gang members do at churches when they go to church? What? Trafficking, trafficking and trading. Wow. So most gang members meet up at churches at, at service because they want to trade off stuff. I mean, so that's what we do. I mean, we meet up at certain places and we trade traffic and trade. And so I got to the point where I started preaching the gospel there in prison and I shut all that down. So everybody that was part of my gang that came to came to service, I was like, look, we're going to respect God. We're not going to do none of that. I just want you to come hear the gospel and give honor to God for just, you know, giving us a second chance. Wow, and dude. So, I mean, it, it it was cool. I mean, it was definitely cool. I was uh, I led a couple of my I I let I led a couple of my homeboys to Christ <laughs> at the time too. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, uh, I, and you're still a gang member. You're now in the min. You're a, you're you're like a, a ministry gang member. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Dude, I love Neither it, man. Love it. Okay. So, so you spent three years there. You now are, are a leader. You're, you're in the, you're in the ministry. You've turned your life over to, to God. You're, 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 you're like helping other people turn it around and, and, and you get out after three years and that was it. Now you're good. You got it together. You're on the right track. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> so okay, Kevin so. Naylor said gangster for Jesus. <laughs> Love it. All right, so so for a while you turned it around. 
Yeah, I mean, so look, I, I got discipled for three years by the navigators. Uh, I'm, I be, I became like this evangelical like phenomenon in there. I mean, I was going around sharing Christ, and then so I was real adamant about discipleship. I was pouring into people, hosting small groups, and so I was really tapping into the potential that God gave me. But when I came home, I thought I was strong enough. Mm. I thought I was good enough for a while, and so slowly but surely. My confidence became within myself and what I thought I could do. And now I'm going back to familiar places. Mm. Uh, I struggle with a common disease that most people have. It's called Superman syndrome. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me share what Superman syndrome consists of. I like trying to save people. And a lot of times there would be damsels in distress. Mm. Yeah. And so, uh, it, it was easy for me to kind of just I was always helpful. So I found myself um, going back to familiar places, trying to pull people out and getting them to change. And really, they didn't want to change. They didn't want to go with you. I mean, and, right. and so what happens? you staying in those places, eventually the world and everything in the world will actually end up rubbing off on you and you become conformed just like them. So in about maybe a year and a half. I fell right back into it. You 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 fell right back in. You made the choice, right? If we take responsibility, right. you made the choice to to become a gang or a drug dealer again. Yes. Wow. And that's after three years in prison, then a year out, and now you're you're dealing again. Right. And um, going to church a lot too. I actually, you know, when I first came out this time, uh, I was asked to be a youth leader at a church. So I actually started leading a, a small youth group at one of the local churches. And you're selling drugs. No, no, no. That was oh, after. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, oh, my God. Wow. That was, that was, Don't go to that church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. No, that was, that was actually after that. I, I remember... Uh, uh, so I want to share a funny story. So, I, you know, I said I was originally from Panama City, right? Yeah. So the first three months when I got out, my nephew and my niece, uh, they were having a they were having a bachelor party down in uh, in Fort Lauderdale, South Beach. Yeah. So I remember I'm a I'm a Christian. I get to go down there. You know, yeah. here I am going back to Florida where I was born and uh I ended up leading my my nephew and my niece to Christ. Wow. And and one of the things they wanted to do was they're like, hey, you know what? We want to get baptized. I was like, okay, can we get baptized in the beach? I was like, I don't see why not. And so this is the funniest story because here I am in Fort Lauderdale. We're down there in the beach and I mean, we're, we're having a big old group. And so I take my niece and nephew out there and I baptize them in the water. Right. And so here they are giving their lives to Christ, getting baptized. Guess where I'm at later on that night? I I, I can't. Back in prison? <laughs> no. I'm at, a, I'm at a strip club with 100 women on stage. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, wait, how did I go from baptizing people to being in this place? Right, right. Wow. You know, it, I mean, it's just like, did you, you know. These did people, you realize it, though, at the moment? You were sitting there, you were like, Something, something's not right about this. Well, yeah, ab absolutely. When, you know, I, I was struggling on whether to pay two for 35 
Yeah, definitely. That was a struggle. I mean, yeah, I was like, yeah. what am I doing there? But so, you know what? It, <clears throat> now, you said, though, that you, you ended up, you said early on that you went three different times, right, to, to right. prison. So So here you are. Now you've been out of prison the second time for about a year. You're starting to get back into the strip club scene and drugs and dealing and all of that. And you're baptizing people. <laughs> right. All right. Wow, man. This story has a lot of um, twists and turns. Absolutely. So what, what happened next, man? How did you end up going a third time? Same old story. Yeah. Same old story. I, I came home, did real well. Uh, back had in a, Houston. Back in Houston, had, had a pretty decent job as a as a uh, as a machinist. Definitely, totally outside of my element of what I really love doing. But it was a job, and just slowly but surely, you know, uh, man, I just started dibbing and dabbing again, you know, and, and, and slowly but surely, I, be, I came back into it. And then this time, I'm like, I'm totally full blown. You know, uh, you know, I really got into it real bad. And uh, long story short, I ended up getting busted again. And this time I get 16 years for uh, whoa over a pound of meth. Oh, my. You know, I started selling. Yeah, I started selling to some undercover narcotics that had been working with me for like several months. And I think uh, I think I probably got snitched out in the process, too. So it was just. You know, 16 years, uh, I was like, man, here we go again. 16 years. So, wow, now it got real. Like, that's real. It got real. And you were how old at that that time? About 28, I was, 30, 29? I was 30. I was 33. Oh, 33. And, yeah. wow, dude, so here you are now, 33, with 16 years in, in prison. Wow. Right. Wow. So, so remember, today's actually 62 days since I've been released. I know. Nobody knows that except for you and me on here, man. So, right. so, so you literally just got out of prison six, uh, two months ago. Right. And, and let, let me ask you this, man. Um, so you are, like now, now people are hitting the wow face on Facebook, dude. <laughs> like, okay, so, you, and and you're obviously not, so you were, how old were you, 30, how old did you I say? 30, I was 33, right? 33. Yeah. 33. So you're not 49 right now. No. So you didn't do the full 16 years. Um, no. What happened this time? I knew I had to call on God. I mean, I knew I had to call from God, and I just really decided, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to just sit here and waste my time. God started placing me. Once again, I always have a tendency to flourish while I'm in prison for some reason. But God brought me to a place called Prison Fellowship Academy where I went through a, a, a real extensive two-year program. But during that time, I was still, I was still uh, walking by faith. So God started putting me into leadership positions once again. So here we go again. Uh, community, le community leader. I'm a president of the Toastmasters Speaking Club. Uh, I'm just leading, uh, teaching leadership stuff. And then during that time, I started finding my niche. And I found my passion during that time in leadership. And that's when I discovered John Maxwell. Mm. 
And so for those two years, I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do because this is what this is what people are missing out on in prison because we're not we're not taught leadership. We're not taught growth and development. No one's asking us these hard questions on like, what is your dream? You know, what kind of potential do you have? What kind of strengths versus weaknesses do you have? Nobody asked us those questions in prison. Right. And I found my passion through discovering my leadership potential and my communication skills. Long story short, during that time, I started pouring into others, leading, leading others for about two years. And I made a decision that one day I'm going to go meet John Maxwell. I'm going to meet John Maxwell and I'm going to join the John Maxwell team. Wow, so, dude. Wow. So funny story. I actually joined the John Maxwell team while I was still in prison. Holy and moly. I, dude, that's that's incredible. So so here you are. Wow, dude, I, I have chills. So, so now you're you're serving. And how how many years into at this point when I am finishing off a four and a half year bid of a sixteen year sentence? Okay, so and that's when you made the decision that you're going to meet John Maxwell. Right. Actually, here, you see this book right here. I'm going to go ahead and read a small insert. I wrote John Maxwell. Have you met him? No, but I'll, I'll meet him in March. Wow, that's awesome, yeah, I'm, dude. I'm booked. I got my flight ready. Uh, I'll be at the IMC in March to meet John Maxwell and everybody else. So I actually wrote John Maxwell, and I wrote him on July 4th of 2017. So this is how much I believed in the vision that God placed in me. The letter says, Dear John, one day you will get to read this. I'm writing you behind prison walls. Get it? Prison walls, Ken? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walls. Um, I want to let you know your books and videos added much value to my leadership. Learning to lead a bunch of inmates has been the greatest challenge in my life. I'm being stretched into greatness. You're absolutely right. It's all about connecting to influence. Thank you. I see. I'll see you at the IMC. Written on July 4th, 2018. Wow. Dude. That's that that that's absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, um I'm I'm blown away, man. Like so you you did four you did four and a half years, you said, of of that 16-year sentence. Correct. And you just got out 60 days ago. Yes. And here you are on 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 my show. Um, on Facebook Live, which this will also be out on on iTunes later today. Um, but you are, um, and you're wearing a suit and tie, dude. Yeah, like that's incredible. So what's what's going to be different this time, man? What's going to be different, or do you feel like you you need to be back in prison to continue to flourish and and do God's work? You know, I, I've always had this desire or this maybe ambition that I want to be like some kind of corporate hotshot looking like this all the time. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
you know, I I, I kind of envisioned myself like, you know what, man, that would be so cool to go into like these the, these corporate businesses and and teach leadership and help build companies up into like multi million dollar establishments and stuff like that. And God sat me down one day and he goes, you still don't get it, huh? <laughs> you still don't get why I put you or allowed you to go through prison. And I didn't understand it at the time. But what God was showing me, he, he was like, your call is different. Even though you're on the John Maxwell team, your path is still different from everyone else. Mm. And what he was showing me was I placed you in prison to show you that that's where I want you to come back to. Because I remember one time where I was listening to, you know, the John Maxwell team and what what they were doing, how many countries they were serving and transforming all these nations. And I was like, man, I want to do that. I want to I want to go with John and the team and transform these nations. But I I was like, man, I can't go nowhere. I'm on parole. You know, I can't even leave the country. Right? You know, I, mean, I can barely leave the state without permission. Right. And, and, and God will show me, he goes, You'll get to do that one day. But right now, I want you to stay on your mission. And your mission is while John and the team are transforming nations, you're going to be the movement in transforming prison culture. Wow. And I finally came to a place where I had to accept that because that's where today I would add the most value at. Dude, first, I want to say to everybody watching this, please share this out if, if you haven't shared it out yet. Um, please share it out because what, what a powerful, powerful message. And, you know, I want to say Twan, that, that, you know, I, I'm a recovered alcoholic with 16 and a half years sober. And I can tell you that, um, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a gift. Um, but 60 days out of prison, man, like I, I, I really hope for you that you continue to, um, to seek what what you're looking for that you continue to to help others man because you've got a powerful powerful message and and you have a powerful future if you allow it right, right. you got to allow it man like like and and hey get a cadillac dude it's coming again like there's some blessing <laughs> there's some blessings for you man you just got to quit getting locked up <laughs> Right. So, right. so, so what's, um, what's the next step for you, man? What, where, where, where do you go from here? Well, right now I'm just, I'm working on my speaking and my, and, uh, my coaching business. Yeah. So it's 62 days out. I'm still getting all my stuff ready. So, uh, I've had a lot of opportunities to speak at different churches already. So, uh, you know, if anybody follows me on Facebook, you'll see uh, that uh, that there's many uh, churches that have opened the door for me to speak and teach. So, uh, man, I'm just and I'm just moving along. I, I you know, I'm teachable. I'm humble. Uh, I'm real intentional about growing. So, man, if you uh, if you feel like you can even help out in some way, you know, and maybe helping me get a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah man yeah i can help you i'll give you a yeah. job selling dude so so like you know look i think that you have a very very powerful story and here you are you know 60 days out of prison literally like two that dude that's two months ago like 
what is that, like November? November 27th. So you got out right after Thanksgiving. Right. Dude, wow, man. And and are you going back? I will be going back as a volunteer. <laughs> yeah. I'll be able to go in and come back out the same day. Right, right. Right. So, you know, I think that, you know, you have – you have a gift, man. You've been given a gift. And and I think that it's your duty and responsibility to not just God, but to everybody to use it the right way. Right? Like you have this amazing gift to be able to help people, man. And and I think that you need to use that gift the right way. Forget about selling drugs, dude. There ain't no, uh, there's no get rich quick anything that works. Right. So like like just forget that it doesn't work. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You'll never forget where you came from. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You can help so many freaking people. Right. I mean, you can you you could single-handedly reduce the recidivism rate in this country, which you and I both know is extremely high. Right. Right. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I'm going to be hanging out with John Maxwell here in a few days, actually, down in Miami. He's one of the speakers at the 10X Growth Conference. It's going to be incredible. Oh, yeah, that's going to be great. I, yeah. wish, I, I wish I could be there. I know, man. I know. Yeah. So, um, and I, I said to you, dude, get, get a ticket. And your, what was your response? <laughs> I can't travel out the state right now. Right, right. <laughs> Right. I wish you could, man. It'd be great to have you down there. But um, and I, I definitely understand that. So, you know, look, I want to say, uh, you know, number one, thank you for being on the show. Um, and, and number two, I want to give you a huge congratulations because, um, you know, look, dude, the, the I mean, let's face the facts, man. It's like you said, let's get real about Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, that was funny, dude. You're you're insane. But like like you know, realistically, most people don't you know not uh, there's most people don't make it back from where you've been, dude. Most people don't make it back, and and here you are. You've been given a gift, and and it looks like your your intentions are to use your gift to help the world. Absolutely. Good man. Any Absolutely. anything else that you would like to share with the audience before before we end this? Uh, I, okay, maybe I want to. I'll apologize if I've offended anybody that was Asian out there. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> I doubt. I doubt it. I doubt yeah. it. No, man, it, Ken, you know, I was inspired. I was inspired by your story and how you met Grant Cardone, uh, just through Christine Christine Moore sharing with me. So. Man, I just wanted the opportunity just to be on your show. As a matter of fact, this is what I want to do. After the IMC in March, I want to get back on your show to give you an update. That would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome, dude. And I want you to to stay in touch with me. And, you know, if I can help you in any way, I absolutely will help you, man. But I, I you know, I think you're on the right track, dude. You know, and just remember that in those moments when it feels like it's not moving fast enough, it is, man. It's moving at the pace that, you know, this is going to be a gradient thing for you. So, um, 
She said, um, yeah, and Natalie Phillips said, OMG, you didn't, you didn't offend anybody Asian. Um, we are all friends and family and respect each other, but have fun too. She loves your story. So dude, like go back and, and, and everybody make sure you go follow Twan. Um, and I can't even like, I, I had to like study your last name to spell it the first time typing it in. So I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. but, but, um, it's pronounced when, which I did not know that. So, um, but you know, everybody go follow Twan and, and dude, thank you so much. Congratulations to you for, um, your, uh, I'm just going to claim it for you, man. Your very, very last stint in prison. You're out now. You've been out 60 days. Let's make it 60 years and, and, and help you continue to make a positive impact in the world. I received that, Ken. Thank awesome. you. Awesome, brother. Well, congrats. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you. I'll keep you in my prayers, sending you all kinds of positive energy, man, just like everybody else. So, so thank you. Thank you, Ken. All right. You guys have an awesome day. <clears throat> and um, I don't know what the show schedule looks like right now. I will be out of pocket for several days, but thank you all. I appreciate you all. And, and make sure that you are following Tuan and let's help hold him accountable and help lift him up and, and, and get him to the next level. You guys have an awesome day. Thanks, Tuan.